0: So the other thing you're probably expecting people to do within the planning process is to talk to people and there's a lot of what I call lip service going on in the consultation department where you get a a note through your door maybe a day before a public presentation and it's very difficult for you to uh, engage in in the process and I, I wonder sometimes whether it actually makes a big difference on the final result. It's something that we try very hard to listen to what people say while we're designing and then adjust our designs accordingly. So um, an example I'm going to show you is in Islington. Now, who's from Islington? Oh, anybody else? Yeah, from Islington. We we, we won a competition uh, probably about six years ago to design a a children's centre in Paradise Park. Does anybody know Paradise Park? Yeah. Well, what really struck us when we went there is we'd never been to Paradise Park because we're from South London in Southwark. The only thing we knew about the area was it was next to Highbury Fields. And Highbury Fields for us meant four weddings and a funeral. And we had the most awful preconceptions of what Islington was all about, to be quite honest. And it was amazing to go there. So before we went into the competition... We went there, and we just videoed and saw what was going on and There was this wonderful park called Paradise Park, and this is what we found there. Um, it was very democratic open space it didn 't have proper security to close it down, and, and as a result, it was becoming very antisocial and It had existing facilities of a very poor quality and it had lots of diverse users, all pretty uncomfortable with each other in a park which um, wasn 't really sort of cohering and part of the design was where was this new uh, nursery school children's centre actually going to go in the park so we were asked to stand right back and look at where it could go and at the end of the day we were asked to again make a building that would catalyse or have a positive effect over the overall park and look at an overall master plan. So it's always really good to make sure if people are working in these kind of contexts that they're aware of local master plans, local urban settings, but quite, quite, quite often architects just operate within their own area. So we did a lot of research to find out what the other facilities were nearby, the farms, the schools, the you know, other connections, and proposed this building on the corner that would act as a new front door into the park where nothing had um, previously existed. But we had a bit of a problem about a brief that went against the number one sort of planning policy as we saw it when we looked in what was then a UDP in Islington, which said, Thou shalt not build on public open space. So we felt compelled to to question that and say, what can we do as architects to make a balance with the fact that we're building on this green space? So we decided to make a building with 7,000 plants on its walls, and it was the first um, building in uh, the UK, public building in the UK with a green wall. And we thought, wouldn't it be wonderful as part of the education experience that you have the ground floor where you have a cafe nursery, then you have the kind of classes for uh, parenting skills, etc., that you could have a rooftop terrace where you, know, you could take groups of children out or adults and they could sit uh, overlooking <coughs> the park and enjoy it. We thought that was a great idea, the client did. We then went to planning, uh, so we went out to have a consultation. And during this process that we organised, where we, we used diversionary tactics with, our, uh, with the people who come to our, um, our consultations, we know that having a conversation when you have a small child at your heels, around your skirts or pulling on your jacket, makes it very, very difficult to have a serious conversation. So we made a model of the park. In the, in the middle of the room for children and round the edge of the room we had serious conversations going on about what was the impact of this. And at the end of the day, uh, everybody could come back and take a piece of the model because we actually got it made by a cake maker. So we sent the Plan of Paradise Park to the cake makers because we believe that if we're taking people's ideas, we should give something back. It is a two-way thing and um, even though it's not part of the healthy eating policy, we thought it was uh, worthwhile. But we got some serious feedback during these processes. There were a number of these kinds of events. And one of the funny things that came back was that people were really upset about this balcony over the terrace overlooking the park. And we got comments back from people, from a variety of different people, saying that they felt it privileged a specific audience to be very high up overlooking the park. And in fact, one of them used that great phrase that it was the champagne coughing middle classes who would territorialize this balcony and look down on everybody else below. Now that is a, a, quite a shocking bit of feedback because we thought what's that all about? Well actually if you do research into urban design and you're really passionate about publicly, uh, publicly about pu- public open space I've done research in America uh, into privately owned public space. I don't know if any of you have uh, to New York. There's a a whole sequence of about 300 privately owned public spaces there that were triggered by the planning regimes there for zoning, which allowed for increases in uh, the height of skyscrapers in exchange for privately owned public space provision at ground level. And what they discovered was that certain types of public space worked and certain types of public space didn't. And buried within the legislation in New York is one rule, and it says, when you're providing privately owned public space you should never have a dramatic change of level of over five feet in the public space and this came back to me when I uh, after we uh, were working on this project clearly people felt you couldn't have public space at high level where you felt physically inferior to the um, other occupants in the park. So it's something, once you know this thing about the five foot level, it's basically eye level. If, you, if somebody's above you, your eye level, you feel put in a position that's um, uh, uncomfortable. But anyway, we finally delivered the project after many years and unfortunately that is not an accessible roof terrace because we had to take it out. It's a green roof uh, using a brown roof system. But what's wonderful about this project is it really does draw uh, people to it in a way that we never imagined and it has meaning to lots of different people from lots of different areas around here it's not just the people immediately around the park and it even comes down to the fact that now if you go on something like Flickr you find comments and sort of contributions about this building because locally people use it as a local landmark cyclists I know talk about it as a shortcut it's sort of become more than just an educational establishment which is something I think we could all hope um, from any projects we're involved in.